Welcome to the Highland Herald, a Final Fantasy podcast where we, two Final Fantasy obsessed brothers, discuss everything from Azura to Zell and all things in between. We are your hosts, Wolfkins and Soloist, the Brothers of Light. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 15 of Highwind Herald. I am one of your hosts, Wolfkins, and like always, I've got my brother Soloist here with me. How you doing, man? Dandy, how you doing? Doing okay. I got a little dandy, bit of a dandy. cold. Dandy. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit of a cold I picked up from uh, my, my lovely child. So I've got a little bit fine. of a cold I probably picked up from my lovely children. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sure. Well, I'm sorry that you're not feeling super great. Let's see if I can make you feel worse. I have your trivia question this week, but okay, honestly, I, I went pretty easy this week. This is a this is low hanging fruit. You could have said that afterwards because now I know I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> you okay? Listen, it, it more tests your perception than it does your actual knowledge of anything. That's worse. Are you ready? Yeah. It's it's super easy. Are you ready? Uh huh. Who directed Final Fantasy VII Advent Children? Nomura? Oh, good job. You yeah. actually got it. I, I wasn't sure how, how close of attention you I paid. remember seeing that yesterday and being like, huh, okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> no follow-up questions. Uh, I've got like a hundred. No. <laughs> no <laughs> more follow-up questions. By, no, no, no. I, I just wanted to, you know, when we decided we were going to do this review, I was like, I'm going to ask him who the director is just to see if he pays attention to that. And I'm proud of you. I usually, I, I mean, I usually don't. Which is why I didn't think you would get it. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, how have you been, man? I mean, what have you been up to this week? Uh, I know that you watched this movie like I did, but you got anything else? No, um, I've not done much of anything this week since last time. I'm cool. getting preparations going for next month's Final Fantasy streaming marathon, which after yesterday, I have changed the order up okay. of games i'm playing i think i'm gonna x out final fantasy 2 okay yeah i'll talk about that more later but yeah i think i've changed up that order i've not done anything with final fantasy i've been watching a lot of netflix series i've not really been playing any games even so mm. yeah i've i've been kind of out of the loop a little bit well that's okay because i made up for it because final fantasy touched everything i did this week <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I'm still playing 14, of course. Uh, I've almost got my whole 520 left side set. So I, I'm missing the belt and the boots, but I'll be getting the boots this week. So I've been just grinding that out. That's almost done. Of course, I watched Advent Children, getting ready for this review that we're doing. Played a little Smash Brothers, and I'm still playing Sephiroth when I, when I play Smash Brothers. And... I've even gone so far as uh, my my Animal Crossing dude is now totally decked out like a red mage. I actually tweeted something out just a little bit ago. Got the hat. I found a red mage coat on one of the pro designs. And I have changed my island tune to Eyes on Me from Final Fantasy VIII. <laughs> so Final Fantasy, it doesn't matter what I did this week. It was Final Fantasy related. Like everything i did <laughs> so have you yeah. tried out playing as cloud and smash any or you I haven't unlocked him yet. i haven't gotten to, oh, to cloud okay. yet so i also realized that just because i unlock somebody doesn't mean i can use them in the story mode so that was a little are you just playing the story mode and staying in the story mode and like putting your switch on sleep 
whenever you're done? I mean, I log out of the story mode. Okay, I was about to say, because you can enter into some character battles that way. Well, I know, but even though yeah. you unlock them through that, you can't then use them in the story mode. Yeah, because I, I unlocked Peach that oh, way. Oh, I guess I that's gonna, right. I was going to switch to right. her for a little bit, and then I couldn't. So yeah, anyway. Well, you I, won't I'm get still, Cloud for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, but I am playing... Oh, man, Sephiroth is good in that game, though. I'm really enjoying him. But yeah, Final Fantasy up and down, left and right this week. That's like all I've done. <laughs> So. Well, I have been I have been hitting a bit of Final Fantasy moods lately. Like again, my last stream was full of a bunch of people thinking fondly towards thirteen, and somebody accidentally misspelled thirteen as twelve because they don't know the Roman numerals, and it got mm. me thinking about Final Fantasy twelve. So, Lord, <laughs> that one's a little on my mind. I love and how different certain... our opinions are because you hate thirteen and want to play twelve again, and I like thirteen, and if I never play twelve again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> so. Oh, well, that, that's yeah. funny. I like how different um, we are. Anyway, there's another certain other Final Fantasy game that I really want to play too. But again, but we're gonna ha- talk about that in a bit. All right, cool. So you know, like like you're probably aware if you're listening to this, we are going to be doing our Advent Children uh, review here in just a second. I just have a couple things of news I wanted to bring up. So you know, I keep bringing these up, these Final Fantasy VII remake awards and all that stuff. Well, there is another one just came out, the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, uh, the DICE Awards. Are you familiar with these? Uh-huh. Okay, so it's the 24th annual, and Final Fantasy VII Remake has been nominated for Game of the Year, Role-Playing Game of the Year, and Outstanding Achievement in Animation. Man, they're a little late on that. It's almost February. Like, <laughs> why, yeah. are they, why are they just now doing that? Well, That's I mean, when, when do the movies do it? Like, when is the, the Oscars? Those, those always oh, happen. I have no clue. I don't even I mean, pretend I, to know that. Yeah, I, I think that's not that weird. Yeah, that's April. <laughs> that's going to be in April. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess it does kind of make sense to do it at the start of the new year as opposed to the last year, just in case things come out in December. I don't know. Anyway, Dice Awards coming up. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, just one other little thing. Final Fantasy XI does have their version update for February that'll be coming out, so keep an eye out for that. I actually don't have a date yet. Uh, they just tweeted out this morning, early February, so so not sure when that's going to be. But on the 14th front, we are getting patch 5.45 on Tuesday. So that'll be coming out February 2nd. So this does have a couple things going on for it. They are raising the Blue Mage Cap 70. <laughs> and there's gonna be some more <laughs> there's gonna be some more uh advancement in your like um your weapons quest your your relic weapons quest so we might touch on that a little bit more next week once it's out uh but just be on the lookout for that coming up next tuesday and then also don't forget next friday the 5th that is the final fantasy 14 announcement showcase so we should be getting some some pretty interesting information and i think they also have a live letter that day so I'm going to try to watch a little bit of it and maybe live tweet a little bit from the Highwind Herald account. Now, hold uh, on on this. You're talking about yeah. the thing on February 5th now, right? Yes. We are actually able to live stream that again because the thing I had that day got canceled. Okay. So we could just watch it in Discord on my Twitch channel and do that and live tweet, of course. Breaking news. Okay. Yeah, break- so I what- was going to mention that, but you kept going <laughs> and then you started, I was like, okay, I've got to interrupt now. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, okay. So yeah, the original plan was for us to do a little bit of a live, uh, like a live stream 
just kind of go over our, our thoughts and reactions. However, we thought we had a scheduling conflict, but it's nice to see that that's back on. Awesome. So based on when it starts, um, I might be a couple minutes late. You know why? <laughs> yeah, but I will be, be there, there as, as soon as I can. So that's, um, that'll be awesome. Another input, a little bit of input I have. This whole blue mage thing in 14 kind of reminds me of Internet Explorer memes. Because, <laughs> oh, look, you can finally get to level 70. Oh, but oh, the level cap's probably going up to nine. Oh, uh, you'll get there eventually. Yeah, Loading. I've noticed on the <laughs> internet with uh, with Blue Mage, you either really enjoy playing it or you, you're you kind of like you and just bitter that it's it's always kind of... No, I'm not even in the camp that just doesn't like it. I'm in the camp that refuses to play it because it's not what I want. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... And even if I did play it and I really enjoyed it, I would never feel like I'm playing the game like how I should be. You know what I mean? Well, I think Because I feel like I, I, yeah, I won't be able to do like the current content and stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's a problem with the... Just the kind of the way that MMOs work. And, and it really shouldn't. I mean, it, you, you should never feel like, oh, this isn't how I'm supposed to play it. But it's just kind of how MMOs go. You know, there's there's not really a solution for it. So I think yeah, there's that, a solution for it. Rework it. Make it a <laughs> real Yeah, life. I mean, I just meant in, in, able to, in order to have it have its own kind of gameplay, there's just not a solution to get people to stop thinking about, oh, I'm wasting my time. Or I mean, if you're having fun, that should be the end goal. And for other games, that works. Like, if you're just doing something in a non-MMO game, like a side quest or something, it doesn't feel like you're wasting your time. But for some reason in MMOs, I guess it's just that iterative cycle that they have. Well, it it depends on what you're getting from the side quest, kind of. True. Now, listen, like, you can document this here on this episode, but if they ever made Blue Mage an actual, like, class with everything else, yeah, I would give away all of my gold and wow and unsubscribe. (laughs) forever and never play, play it again never well yeah i'm I'm gonna play the 11 a lot next a month but i just i love the idea of a blue mage i want yeah. one so bad cool all right well don't want to get too off topic there because we do have quite a bit to talk about today i think all right so if you've got nothing else i think we can get into this movie discussion i'm really looking forward to absolutely i'm ready for it all right so Today, we are reviewing Advent Children, the Complete Edition. So we watched the the Complete Edition in Japanese with English subtitles. I actually couldn't find the Complete Edition in English anywhere. I'm sure it exists somewhere, but I, I couldn't find it on anything I could buy. So we ended up watching that one. And uh, yeah, I, before we kind of get into it, I'm going to sum this movie up in one sentence. I think that kind of sums up my feelings on it. The fight scenes in this movie make absolutely no sense, and I love it. <laughs> what do you mean they don't make any sense? They, I, I'll get into it when we when we when we get a little bit further into it. But that's that's my summation for the entire movie. <laughs> okay? okay, okay. So, Advent Children, complete edition, Final Fantasy VII. This movie takes place two years after the events of Final Fantasy VII. So it takes place two years after the defeat of Seph. Oh, hold on. We're going to be spoiling things, by the way. It's it's kind of hard to talk about this without spoiling things, either for Final Fantasy VII or for the movie. So just there's your warning. If you haven't seen it, maybe go watch it really quick before you listen to this and then come back. Now, now that that's said, uh, this takes place two years after the events of Final Fantasy VII. So after the, uh, the summoning of Meteor, after Sephiroth is defeated at the Northern Cave, 
And uh, it actually picks up <laughs> 500 years in the future to the end scene with Red 13 running through the canyon and then it flashes back 498 years. I actually kind of thought that was funny. <laughs> like, anyway. So, <laughs> the, the world... I don't know if it was funny. But I thought it was cool. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny because it... They, it was really so cool they could, to like, see that. It was really cool to see that scene like redone in HD. That was awesome. Yes, I liked that scene a lot. To me, it was just kind of funny because it was, it, it almost served no purpose. But it was, it made it to where the movie could pick up right where Final Fantasy VII left off and have nothing to do with that at the same time. But anyway, <laughs> I did like that. Yes, I I did like a lot seeing that in updated HD graphics and all that stuff. By the way, the movie looks gorgeous. I thought the graphics were great on this movie. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for my opinion. Okay. Section. Okay. Sure. So, um, it's two years after the, the group that we know is kind of spread out and gone their separate ways. And cloud has kind of gone back into his, uh, he's kind of withdrawn from people. Um, he's kind of not really hanging around. He has like a delivery service, like a mercenary delivery service that he's running. But it's been a while, it implies, since he's been home, since Tifa's seen him. Uh, Tifa's still caring for Marlene, so it's nice to know Barrett's still being dad of the year around all the time. <laughs> but uh, there is a sickness that is the world known as geostigma. So this is affecting lots of people, lots of children. And we come to find out later that Cloud is also being infected by this. And for all intents and purposes, there is no cure. It's basically slowly kills people. And it's kind of a weird disease because it, it kind of materializes as like a rash on your skin. But it also makes you like leak like this this oil or some kind of like weird black pus. Yep, it was totally pus. I was about to say, you're being yeah. a lot less, you're being, you need to be more gross. <laughs> it was pretty gross. Yeah, I mean, and there's some some slightly graphic scenes. With people like just like puking up this pus in the streets, it was kind of gross. Anyway, tangent to that, there is a group of three. Well, they're they're called remnants. Um, it doesn't really right off the bat kind of explain who they are, but the leader of this group is Kadaj or Kadaj. How would you say you pronounce that? Because I only ever heard it in Japanese. <laughs> Kadaj, probably. Kadaj. Okay. Kadaj. And and when they're introduced, they're looking for they're looking for mother, is what they keep saying. Uh, and then they also refer to Cloud as brother. So, you know, come to find out, and if you're if you're kind of up with the Final Fantasy VII lore, it's not, it didn't really take you too long to figure out that Mother is referring to Genova. So basically what they're looking for is Genova's head because the Shinra Corporation has hidden it somewhere. And they are trying to find this and have another reunion. So, you know, you'll remember reunion from Final Fantasy VII. That was a big story point there. So, um, you know, this this movie, we see a lot of familiar faces, especially with with the Shinra and the Turks. I was actually very surprised how much screen time Reno and Rude had. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> it was. But I was surprised. Anyway, uh, so as the movie goes on, basically a bunch of stuff happens. There's some cool scenes we'll get into, but just kind of kind of keeping this as like an overall plot synopsis. Eventually. Kadaj is able to recover Genova's head and he uses that and he merges with the Genova cells to basically uh, bring Sephiroth back. And then, of course, there is a, another final confrontation between him and Cloud where Cloud 
basically sends him on his way again. But it it also implies to me that Sephiroth is is never really going to be truly gone. And, and the movie kind of explains that a little bit, the fact that his consciousness is kind of riding on the live stream is what I kind of gathered from that. And even though he's dead, his consciousness is still kind of always floating out there. So that's kind of the overall synopsis. We'll get into the finer details as we kind of go through it. I just wanted to like lay out what the movie's about. So I've been talking for a long time. I'm going to let you speak now. <laughs> You're released <laughs> from the mute prison. Um. Well, I'm going to kind of start talking about my opinions on the movie since go for you, it. you went through the story. It. So I didn't go into this movie with high expectations. I'm going to be honest because really? I didn't like Spirits Within. I remember thinking Kingsglaive was okay at best. Like, kind of cool if you'd watch the movie, but even then the animation was a little bad. Okay. So I went into this movie thinking, yeah, that's two for two, and there's really only three Square Enix movies, so I don't think this is going to be a good movie. Right? Okay. I'm with you so far. Yeah, this is easily the best of those three movies. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> easily. I, I so. enjoyed that movie way more than I thought I would. Now, had uh, you not it, seen it before? I saw it years ago, probably when it first came out. But okay. at that time, I'd never played Seven. So I, I'm not going to say I didn't like it. Because first of all, as a kid, I don't hardly remember anything. But, but the Sephiroth and Cloud fight at the end. Yeah. Well, That's and the only that thing I remembered. Edition, I remember I watched it when it first came out. And I, I was a little confused. And I, I always felt like something was missing. The complete edition really filled in a lot of the gaps for me. Yeah. It's um, a better version. And see, the thing is, is I still think that you should not watch this movie if you've never played the original Final Fantasy VII, not the remake. Okay, so I, I was actually going to ask you if you think this movie works as a standalone. That was going to no, be one now, of my first questions, and, and here's it sounds the thing, like you just answered it. And here's the thing, and I thought a lot about this, because this movie is not a film adaptation of Final Fantasy VII. It's not a film that takes place in the universe of Final Fantasy VII. This is flat out a sequel to Final Fantasy VII. Like, yeah. it's a sequel. So would you play, like, Uncharted... Oh, no, that's a bad example. Would you play... Oh, my gosh, I can't Would you think play of Final Fantasy games. II without playing Final Fantasy One? Oh, no, that's a horrible <laughs> example. <laughs> oh, that's would you... Mean. No. Would you... Gosh, I, I, I would can't Would you watch Empire Strikes Back without watching A New Hope? I guess so. That's a good one. You probably would you do that? should. You shouldn't. So Would you it's, watch it's Two like, Towers without watching Fellowship of the Ring? Don't do that. Yeah, no. Um, so the way I think about it is I think you won't hardly know what's going on. I mean, you you won't. Because, again, as you said, the mother being revealed as Genova thing, I, was, I thought, oh, you're revealing that? I, I thought it was obvious. But I guess they did that for anyone who maybe doesn't know that. But even then, it's like, is there no enjoyment to be had? That's wrong because this has some of the best fight scenes I've ever seen. Yeah. Ever. Like the Here's fight the scenes thing. were easily the best part of that movie. They they don't they do almost no character introductions in this movie. Yeah, exactly. They, they expect you to know who they are, especially in one of the fight scenes towards the middle. So at some point, Kadaj gets a crate of materia from Aerith's church that that Cloud had been hiding away. And he uses one of these materials, which I thought was interesting. I'm just going to talk about this really quick. When he used the materia, he kind of put it into his skin. I thought that was an interesting way to kind of show that on film. What Instead else are they going to do? It. Eat it? 
<laughs> well, I mean, in, in the game, you just load it into your weapons. Like you like physically just load it into your sword or whatever. Or your gear. Right. It was interesting to see him kind of just put it into a skin, but he uses that to summon Bahamut. Mm-hmm. And it's because they think that Genova's head is being hidden in this uh, this fountain at the center of Midgar. So Bahamut comes down and he just starts laying waste to Midgar. And at this point, this is one of the coolest parts of the movie. All of the cast members from the original Final Fantasy VII show up to help with this battle. But they 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 just drop in with no context. It doesn't explain who they are. If you're not familiar, it's easy enough to kind of pick up on the fact that, okay, they know each other. And Tifa does say these were our friends, but they don't tell you who they are at all. Yeah. And that was that was one thing I thought the movie did really well because I watched the movie thinking this is so enjoyable, but it's so weird that Reno is in it more than any of the other characters. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, he, had I thought a, he had a lot of screen time. I thought this uh, this is my biggest problem with this movie and it's holding it back for me is that. The only original characters in it so far, because I remember they got in it eventually. The only original characters in it so far are Cloud and Tifa. Like, where is Barrett? Shouldn't he be here? But them yeah, not I mean, being Marlene's in the whole there, movie, so you know, he's yeah, around somewhere. Them not being in the whole movie literally made me jump out of my seat when they all showed up. Yeah. It was one of the best things I'd ever seen. It was so yeah. <laughs> big, and it made me realize it's like because this really isn't a movie about the final fantasy seven universe. This is a movie about cloud. It's cloud. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and the thing is, is maybe having the whole cast of characters in the whole movie would have diverted attention away from cloud and Tifa. Cause Tifa also was yeah. a big focus. So th- it wasn't about Barrett and red 13. And uh, by the way, I love how Kate Sith wrote around on red 13. That was <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> it wasn't about that. But it was about Cloud. So having them all pop up at the same time, right there towards the end. Well, that, that was, was actually about awesome. the middle. I mean, that, that wasn't there. There's quite a bit of movie left after that. I wouldn't say the middle. I would definitely I would definitely say it's past the middle. Wasn't it just like around the hour, hour 15 mark or something like that? It's <laughs> a long scene. too. I would though. I would know because I had to pause it at the hour mark to go use the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> so I would know. <laughs> I'm not one. That, that has issues with stuff like this necessarily. But I, I loved that scene. So before I say this, I'm not crapping on that scene because I thought it was great. It was a little, not, not confusing, but once once Bahamut shows up and the, the whole cast is there, it's like, how, do they all just live in Midgar? Like, where, where'd all, where do they all come from? You know, I guess that was my only thing. Like, it was cool, and I loved seeing them, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I'm glad they all dropped in, but like, like Yuffie, like doesn't does she not live in in Wutai? Is she in Midgar? How'd they all get there that fast? Like they didn't know there was no there was no. Well, maybe maybe Sid picked them up in the Highland, and but I mean, what was there. he heading there for? Because they didn't say, "Hey, so we're summoning Bahamut." They showed up like right after that happened. Well, maybe Tifa reached out to them, but maybe again, yeah, they and, didn't. They didn't really say. And that's why I, I don't really care because I can like fill in the gaps. I do know some people get really bothered by stuff like that. Though. Yeah, that's just, you know, I I've, I know I've dwelled in the frivolous details a lot in the past on this show, but that that seems a little frivolous to me, too. Yeah, I, I just I want to point it out because I don't want people to think that we're just like skimming over what could be considered negatives of this movie. Because that was oh, a, I, there's still plenty of negatives to me. <laughs> I think that was a, I don't think a, it's a perfect movie. <laughs> that was a slight. 
I guess plot hole. Um, yeah, but I didn't care. Like I didn't care just because of the cool payoff. Now yeah. back to my comment about the fight scenes making no sense. Yeah, the that's, fight that's scenes interesting make to me. No sense, and they they make no sense. I don't. As soon I, as a fight starts, physics no longer matter. <laughs> Cloud can fly. Everyone can fly. They can they can throw each other. It, it was yeah, awesome. that that was hilarious to me. The scene where they were throwing Cloud up. I thought, how do you have enough momentum to throw well, him? And, like, you and have that's enough- what I mean. <laughs> that's what I mean. They make no sense uh, yeah, whatsoever. That it's didn't like, bother they, me though. It's like as soon as as soon as uh, the fights start, someone puts in the cheat code that turns off all physics, and they just go to town. Now, I'm not saying it bothered me. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> But they make no sense. (laughs) That is typical anime fighting right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, here's my favorite part. Here's my favorite part of this movie. It is the jumping scene. It's when, uh, you know, he leaps up and then one by one. So basically, Bahamut (laughs) is flying in the sky, right? And he's, he's getting ready to basically lay waste to this little portion of Midgar. So Cloud jumps up and then one by one, each of his friends... Uh, will jump, meet him in the air, and then throw him up more. So, like like we just said, it makes no sense physically. Uh, but the last one's Tifa, and she grabs him and throws him up. And then, literally, it literally, Cloud is able to go straight through Mega Flare based only on the power of friendship. <laughs> now, he As went he, through there glowing blue, so I am assuming he was in Limit. I and yeah, you know but anything what, possible in limit. What put him in limit break? The power of friendship. And it was great because he basically blasts right through Mega Flare and then just totally annihilates Bahamut. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, the fight scenes are all, definitely the best part. And I love the de- big physics defying stuff because, like, yeah. I don't know, the more realistic things try to be in their fight scenes, especially when it's something like Final Fantasy VII, it doesn't work as well. Like, I loved that dude picking up um, during the Tifa fight. I love that dude picking up, like, pews in that church and throwing them at Tifa and stuff like that. That's what I want to see. I love see, Tifa, that, like, throwing him down on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> that air. kind of stuff I'm totally okay with. And I don't mean to sound like I don't like the fight scenes, but it, there's a diff- there's a slight difference to me between, like, the church scene because things were a little over the top then, but still kind of made sense. By the time you get to the end of this movie when Cloud's fighting Sephiroth, everything is just off the walls. Yeah, and it's perfect. <laughs> I do have I do have a we'll get to it when we when we get to the end, but I do have one more comment about the physics thing during the Sephiroth fight scene. Anyway, yeah. the the big portion of this movie kind of focuses around this geo stigma. So, I, let me ask you did you fully like kind of grasp what was going on there? I did think it was a little confusing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's part of my big issues with this movie is that it does the tried and true final fantasy seven thing of being kind of hard to understand. Like what I gathered from that is that people with geo stigma had a part of Genova in them. Like, was that Genova, the geo stigma? Well, I think when when he goes to when Cloud goes to the Forgotten City and he meets Vincent, uh, they have a brief moment where Vincent refers to it as I think the Sephiroth gene. So what what I was kind of thinking was that once once Sephiroth was defeated and returned to the live stream, 
did did he act as kind of like a poison? And that's what was kind of infecting people. I, I I'm not sure. That's a fun thought. This and, is gonna and, take this conversation is gonna take me into my next thought perfectly. Okay, it, that was my one thing. Is like I got the concept of what geostigma was, and and Vincent says that it's it's the body's reaction to an alien presence, and it's overcompensating. So it it might have been some Genova cells. I'm just, I'm not sure. That that was one point, and there's probably somebody listening that's like, this was so obvious, you guys are idiots. Probably. Maybe, <laughs> maybe so. But I, I'm not super used to watching Japanese subs, so I, I might have missed something or just didn't retain it, you know? Now, I think I'm becoming a weeb because I was watching that and thinking, yeah, I really prefer this. <laughs> well, I didn't have a problem doing it, but I, I'm wondering if maybe I missed some details because I wasn't, like, my, I wasn't hearing it too. I don't know. So I, I wasn't a hundred percent clear. What I gathered was it's it's definitely an infection of some kind. The the geostigma, the way it presents itself, is your body trying to fight it off and overcompensating. And I guess that's why they were like the black pus was trying to expunge it from their bodies. But but exactly what it was, I wasn't sure. Because even Sephiroth's like uh, the Sephiroth gene, Genova's mimetic legacy call it what you will and i'm like well what is it though <laughs> like i don't i just didn't know yeah so what, what was your point though what, what were you gonna say um this is kind of a, a tinfoil hat thing kind of just adding my own personal taste but okay <laughs> i think the biggest thing that held this movie back which again i think overall this was a good movie I think this is a very positive experience for people who've watched Final Fantasy 7 or no, yeah. sorry, played it. I guess you could watch it. But sorry. The biggest thing that held this movie back was the fact that it was a movie. Oh, seriously? Now, you, here's you and I thing. are going to have different opinions because I have a I have a thought here that I think that you're going to disagree with now. So let me hear what you're going to say. Though. As you said, there were some parts that were a little confusing. And this movie had an issue that Spirits of Within had way worse that it kind of had info dumps kind of to get you caught up to understand. Now, I don't think this should have been a video game. I don't. I'll throw that would have been awesome. See, I think this would have worked better as maybe a mini series or a series. Okay. Like, that's what I think. I, I don't think this should have been a video game. I think this should have been a series so that you can go more into detail on the smaller things that they didn't go into detail on. Okay. No, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, did totally. you think I was going to say it was going to be a video game? No. Well, I yeah, I thought you were going to say I think it would work better as a video game. But something that I was thinking while I was watching this was I really like this. I wish, <laughs> this is kind of a tangent, I think it would be cool is if instead of like remaking some of the older Final Fantasies, Turn them in, turn the story into like a movie or a miniseries, and I would love to watch that. It'd be yeah. easier to digest. Might be easier to make. I don't know. But as I was watching this, I was like, I would love to just watch a movie that's just the story of Final Fantasy VIII or VI or something like that, or like a mini series. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, definitely. And I think this, I think this being a movie holds it back because there's so many things that is just either they don't put enough attention to, or they just flat out don't explain very well. Like the geostigma, they. They, I mean, if it, they did explain it, but it was still a little confusing. It would have been good to have like maybe a whole episode dedicated to what it is. You know what I, I mean? I think they gave us enough information to kind of understand what was going on, but yeah, I just but not enough to truly, not yeah. enough to truly comprehend it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I, I could say that about most movies. Like, who if this this was a series, but 
I do think, especially, and I think it's different today even than it was when Advent Children came out. Because if you go back 10 years or so, the the main way that people got these big stories out was through movies. And I feel like the age of streaming is shifting that to where a, a bunch of your big storytelling stuff is moving to uh, your your streaming platforms with with series. You I know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like Netflix and HBO or Disney Plus. I mean, just look about how much of the stuff they've got planned for the Marvel and Star Wars going forward that are series. I mean, look at the Mandalorian. They they they're moving more and more to where it used to be where TV wasn't where you'd get like your really high quality entertainment. You know what I mean? I mean, you'd have some good shows, of course, but it feels like more and more they're just they're moving all of that kind of entertainment into these these eight to ten episode seasons on on the paid streaming services. And I I agree. I think this would have been awesome. Uh, well, you know, if you turn this into a miniseries, you could focus on those other characters. Yeah, because that's what I, I was don't, thinking. I don't think you could have squeezed all those characters into a two-hour movie and and not just got lost in the weeds. Mm-hmm. But if you had a miniseries, you could have a couple episodes about about Yuffie or Red Thirteen, who needed more lines in this movie, by the way. Red Thirteen, I think, only spoke at the end, right? Yeah, that's I the only... I think he might have said something in the middle of everybody talking at one point, but I didn't catch it. I wasn't sure if it was him or not. See, that's the problem with subs too, is sometimes it's hard to understand who's talking because you're, you're reading and not looking at whose lips are moving. Yeah. Well, and, and, and <laughs> the scene in the high wind, it's kind of just flashing about while a bunch of people are talking or, or cloud will get a call on the phone and you don't see the character. And I don't know the voice. You know what I mean? So yeah. that was, the, Oh, I did love clouds flip phone though. <laughs> they kind of dated this movie a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Loved the flip phone. Loved it. Uh, but let me ask you about this. So, so as it turns out, uh, Aerith's church plays a huge role in this movie. It, it's kind of where cloud's been hiding out. It seems like it may be the only place he kind of feels safe. He is kind of having a crisis of self where he doesn't feel like he can even take care of himself let alone Tifa or this this family that he's building with these with these children and these orphans that him and Tifa are kind of caring for. So there's two in particular. One's Marlene, who's not really an orphan, but Barrett's never there, so she might as well be. And then Denzel is another one. Um, and you get a little bit more of his backstory in the complete edition than you did before. Basically, he was his parents were killed, I gathered, when the plate fell. Because he has kind of a flashback about avalanche attacks Midgar. Is that is that kind of what you gathered too? No, I'm not. None of this is ringing a bell. So, mm. so he Denzel keeps having little flashbacks. He flashes back to where when he I first remember those, but I don't remember the avalanche thing. Well, he he's 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 reading like a newspaper article or something, or it kind of zooms in on on a news thing that says avalanche attacks Midgar, and then it kind of pans to like a picture of his family. So I took it to mean his family was killed when the plate fell because that was something that Shinra blamed on Avalanche back in Final Fantasy VII, even though they did it. And so he's kind of just this homeless orphan. He finds Cloud's very cool motorcycle. We'll talk about that in just a second. And uh, basically Cloud finds him, takes him in, and then him and Tifa are kind kind of caring for him at the seventh heaven. So... He is suffering from geostigma, and when Cloud gets it, 
he kind of has this crisis, like, I can't take care of me. And he pours all of himself into trying to find a cure for Denzel. And once he can't, he he kind of like, he just withdraws. And he leaves and he goes and hides out at, at Aerith's church. Now, as we've always known, Aerith's church is like the only place in Midgar where, where, where greenery grows. So I guess it's like a concentration of where the life force, like the only place the life force can come through in Midgar. Is that how, kind of how you've always looked at that? Now it is. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I never thought about it. <laughs> well, towards the end of the movie, they, uh, Cloud and Kadaj wind up in this church, and Kadaj ends up basically destroying a patch of the of the flowers. And this water kind of erupts out, and once it touches Cloud's skin, it cures his geostigma. So what what do you think about that? Like what's your take on that? Is that the the life stream itself curing the geostigma because they kind of they go back and forth uh cuz some people say geostigma is the planet punishing these people but then it also seems like the live stream is what cured the geostigma. So what are you, what are your opinions on what happened there? I think it's the live stream maybe again not very clear uh, then that just sounds more logical to me. Maybe it's Aerith directly doing it. Um, well, here's another question. Is Aerith like a god? What do you think about that? Oh, because, I mean, they definitely treat her like one. Well, and she kind of acts like one in this movie. So, I mean, she was always a big deal. And it is heavily implied that she's kind of the one that saves everything at the end of Final Fantasy VII. Because once, like, everything happens and the life stream pours out of the Earth kind of defending Midgar against Meteor's impact, the last thing you see is Aerith kind of like lifting her head in prayer. And then in this movie, it also heavily implies that not only is Aerith still out there somewhere, she's directly influencing events. Yep. Um, you know? I think I don't think she's necessarily a god, but I think she is, well, because there obviously is no system like that in this universe because it's all the live stream. I think she's part of the live stream, maybe. Well, I mean, once once a person dies, they become part of the live stream. That well, I mean, that's what happens to everybody. That's, but that's she seems not to... what I mean. I kind of mean she is the live stream itself. If okay, but I I guess what I'm saying is, if she is the live stream, that kind of makes her a god, doesn't it? On a technical standpoint, yeah. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, God. <laughs> oh God! Oh, it's hurting my head. <laughs> so it, it it definitely implies there's points to where. So the first time you see Aerith, and you don't really see her face, but as he's as Cloud's going into the Forgotten City, which is where Aerith was killed, he kind of has a flash where he imagines her talking to him, and you know, at, at first I'm like, okay, this is all like in his head. He's talking to himself, trying to like make himself let it go and forgive himself and move on. But by the end of the movie, I started thinking, was Aerith actually talking to him? Like, did yeah. she On actually... that same note, though, isn't Zack a god? Because he was doing the same stuff, too. He was. So that was my next point. Or is it just his connection to Aerith? I think it's that. I mean, that, that's kind no of... evidence why Zack's a god. Right. I, I think it was just his connection to Aerith that was allowing... And maybe Aerith letting Zack show... I mean, because if she is able to manipulate and control the live stream, then she should be able to touch any of the souls that are part of the live stream. You would think, mm -hmm. I don't know. We're in pure speculation territory now, I guess, because yeah. this isn't really covered in the movie, mm -hmm. but what it is revealed is that the waters from Aerith's church, 
are able to cure the geostigma. And so at the end of the movie, they kind of bring all of the people, all of the kids that they've been helping that have the geostigma, and they put them in the water and they start to cure them. And as this is happening, Cloud looks up and he actually sees Aerith in the church. And she's like slowly starts walking and she turns around and looks over her shoulder. And it's the first time you see like her face. And she just kind of smiles knowingly and then walks off into the light. So there's two ways to look at that. Either he's just kind of imagining her or Aerith is very much still a presence in this world, even though she's she's dead. I kind of lean towards the second. Yeah, there's no way they would do that and just have it be he's hallucinating and imagining her. I don't yeah. think that. So it makes sense to me why the waters of Aerith Church would would cure the geostigma. Like I said, it's a it's the only concentration of life of life stream in Midgar. But once the big battle with Sephiroth happens, and we'll talk about that in a second, but once that's over, it begins to rain. And the rain there starts curing people's geostigma. And that I didn't understand. Because surely it's rained in the last two years. Well, so maybe I, it's the same kind of water that's in the church. Because Tifa looks up at one of the raindrops and is like, I knew you were here. <laughs> so that definitely... Was that a raindrop? I paused it, was, it yeah. trying to figure out what she was looking at. I thought it was a raindrop. Okay, yeah. that makes this make more sense. And yeah. kind of supports my theory that Aerith is some kind of like life stream god <laughs> at this point. Did They alluded to stuff like that in Final Fantasy VII, didn't they? A little bit. Like I said, I, got, I always got the vibes that it was Aerith at the end that was kind of bringing the life force together. Yeah. Life stream together. That was just my interpretation of how the game ended. So it, it made sense to me. Okay. All right. Is there anything else that you want to really touch on? Because I think we're, we need to talk about the Sephiroth battle and kind of everything surrounding that. But is there anything else throughout the movie? Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> before I, before I throw it to you, let's talk about this motorcycle. Cause I did mention we were going to, this thing was so, so cool in concept. And this is something I really liked about watching this movie is that it showed that I can change my mind about things. In concept, I always always thought that the idea of Cloud on a motorcycle was stupid. I I don't know me? why, but I watched this movie and I realized that every kind of theme that Advent Children introduced is the natural evolution of how a Final Fantasy VII sequel would actually go. Yeah. Now, the motorcycle scenes where he just pulls out all those swords, absolutely awesome. Absolutely yeah. so awesome. So basically, Cloud can push a button and like the sides of his motorcycle pop open and then like uh, every sword I guess he gathered in his journey is in there and he just select he selects swords like uh, like a golfer selects uh, clubs out of their bag <laughs> he's like okay this time this looks like a buster sword oh this one this one looks like an ultimate weapon <laughs> and the idea of cloud being able to rip his swords in two and dual wield swords oh yeah that needs to come back that, that needs was cool. to be in the next Final Fantasy 7 remake yeah, you know, it's Absolutely. funny you say that. I kind of had trouble because I played the 7 remake recently, almost separating the two in my head. Because something would happen, I'd be like, but, oh wait, that was the remake that's slightly different because they look so similar. But yeah, uh -huh. like we, we need those cool dual-wield swords by the time we get to the end of this game, for sure. I also wouldn't care, speaking about this being a video game, if the 7 remake project ended with a game version of Advent Children. 
Since, hmm. I mean, it's it's the whole story. They're doing yeah, their own thing. What if they don't set up the story to go in the same direction? Because I've heard a lot of rumors that they're setting up the re- remake story to go in a completely different direction. Well, there's that too. There's yeah. that too. That's the, the only issue with that or worry. Because I'll agree with you. That would be awesome. Yeah, like uh, we said, this would work better as a store, a series, but I don't care. I'm going to say it. This would be an awesome game. Like, yeah. yeah. A lot of these fights would be so fun to do. Well, and these fights lend themselves better to the remake battle system than they did the original Final Fantasy VII anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, fights. So, towards the end of this movie, it is revealed that where, where Shinra has been hiding... And by the way, Shinra, I guess, isn't really a company anymore, but President Rufus is still around, and he still has the Turks very close to him. And they're, they're, they, they do show remorse for what they've done. And and Rufus does seem like he wants to make amends and make things better. So it turns out where they've been hiding Genova's head is literally with Rufus. So he is suffering from geostigma and he keeps himself covered for most of the movie. And, you know, Kadaj comes to him and is basically threatening him. He's with him when he summons Bahamut. And he's just, he wants to find this. It turns out that Rufus has it with him the entire time. But eventually, Kadaj does get it. And as he's, he's fighting with Cloud, and he, as he's falling off of a building, he takes the Genova cells, and he merges them with himself. So they describe Kadaj as a remnant, or uh, a larva. Uh, basically, a host that would evolve into Sephiroth if it was merged with the Genova cells. So the scene is really cool. So he takes the cells, and he pushes them into his body. And he lands, and he like stands up very weak. And Cloud is like coming down on top of him. And Cloud like raises his sword and brings it down on him. And Kadaj holds up his sword and blocks it. And as the two swords connect, there's this flash. And as soon as the flash is over, it's Sephiroth standing there. And then it kind of shows it from Sephiroth's perspective as he's like blocking Cloud, who again is just hovering, hanging in the air. <laughs> Physics be damned. And and the sword that he was using to block kind of like glows and materializes out into Sephiroth's sword. It was the coolest reveal there was. was the really music cool. kicks up. Oh, what would you think? Yeah, it was really cool. The, on the idea of the music, so many of these video games try to make movies, but when they don't use the music from the video game, it takes away so much. I was so glad to hear so many remixes oh, yeah. of Final Fantasy VII tunes and then just flat out hearing One Winged Angel. Yeah, like, they didn't shy away from it. And actually, they had like a movie version of One Winged Angel that was really cool. Like, the the it gets a little bit, because they draw it out a little bit, and I think they yeah, add a little bit. Yeah, that's the version I think they have in Smash Bros. Okay, okay. It's a great version. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, um, Nobuo Uemetsu gets credit as the, like, song person <laughs> what's that called the um, music director yeah i don't know but he gets credit in the movie for that Good and to your person. point <laughs> I, I loved how much they used that music exactly i had that same thought it sounded and perfect uh I, I know we're jumping around a lot but even as it's coming on it has that like it, it was very reminiscent to how final fantasy 7 comes on but with Red 13. So it has the the music that plays, and normally when it's zooming in and it keeps cutting to the train, it would cut down to Red 13's legs instead. And it kind of mirrored how that game came on with how this came on. I did think that was cool. 
Uh-huh. Me too. But the music, the music was totally on point. As soon as that happens, it's it slowly starts kicking into one winged angel. And then the entire fight scene with Cloud and Sephiroth is just this awesome version of one winged angel. So what were your thoughts on the fight scene? It was amazing. It was the best part of the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, I don't know. The Bahamut fight was pretty cool, but the Sephiroth one was this, this, uh, this is what the movie was building up towards. And I, it is this. I Sometimes you can kind of feel like this entire movie was made just so they could animate a Sephiroth and cloud fight scene like this. Pretty sure that was what the, the deal was. <laughs> this whole movie built up to that. Like this is, this is so good. Yeah. And you know, my favorite part of the fight, which you may want to go back and watch this part, this thing again, the entire Sephiroth trailer for Smash Bros is exactly that fight scene. Oh, I, I picked up on that. Like the, the scene, the dialogue is the exact same. When he reaches his hand in the air and it turns all stormy and green, he says yeah. the exact same thing. I'm sure it's the exact same scene in the trailer. When he Cloud beats Sephiroth, it is the exact same things happening. Yeah, you'll never be a memory. I'll, I'll, I'll never be a memory. And then he like cocoons, but instead of turning into safer Sephiroth, he disappears. Right. But it is literally one for one. They did such a good job with that trailer. That was awesome. But this whole fight scene was absolutely awesome. It was great. The animation they really blew all of their budget on that fight scene. It was the animation great. was very smooth through throughout this whole movie. I thought that is something I did not expect at all from this movie. There were some points where the animation was a little funny. Like I, I don't remember where it was, but there was one scene where somebody got knocked. I think it was Reno got like knocked on their back and slid, and it looked okay. like there was no weight to him getting knocked back, and it looked a little goofy. Well, but- I mean that's that's kind of my point before about how the fight scenes made no sense. I feel like nobody has weight. I, I know uh, exactly what you're talking about. It wasn't in the same vein as that. It was kind of in the same vein as the old Donkey Kong country show where nobody looks like they have any weight to them. <laughs> it looked, it looked goofy. It, it, it didn't, it, it didn't look like something that was intentionally done to make it look cooler. Because I well, don't think you know what I'm talking about. You're talking about the thing where he gets like blown into a building, right? Well, I, I think I do know what you're talking about, but I also wonder, you said it was Reno. I almost wonder if that was done to look more goofy because it's Reno. Cause they kind of played up his goofiness mm, a lot. In this this, movie, so this definitely wasn't a intentional thing. This <laughs> I, I'm okay. telling you, it definitely wasn't intentional. And it, cause it had, it, it was the same kind of goofy animation that spirits within is riddled with. And like the final fantasy 15 movie, although I only watched it once. I remember that movie animations flat out being hilarious unless it was like one of the fight scenes like well, i'm gonna have to rewatch out, that one <laughs> they flat out looked like sonic 06 npcs where they just move around and wave their arms and go oh like well i won't comment on that <laughs> until we do our kingsglaive review i don't recall thinking that at all but we'll see when we get there there's one scene in particular i pointed it out to you when we watched it and you laughed so you don't remember it. Yeah, well, we'll see. We will be doing that one in, in a in a little bit. But for the most part, though, I thought the animation in this one was was on point, especially during the fight scenes. Now, it could be they were moving so fast, I couldn't see if they messed up anyway. Mm-hmm. But everything was cool. It, and it was like watching two superheroes go at it because it, it was it was peak anime combat, like you said. And I, I really enjoyed the fight scene. My favorite part is is like exactly what you said. It's kind of just like that Smash Brothers trailer, but when he actually stabs Cloud 
and then there's that that shot, that long shot where he's holding Cloud up. Yeah, it looked weird not being Mario. <laughs> well, he says he says uh, something like, "Do you remember how this felt before?" Or, allow me to remind you, or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, Sephiroth." Here's here's the scene though that I was talking about way back in the beginning that I thought was kind of funny. After he does that, it's very cool because at that point, that's when his one black wing kind of flies out. Like he, he's got Cloud at the end of his sword and that that black wing flies out and then he flaps it and he takes into the air. And I'm sitting there thinking, you've been flying this whole time. What do you need that wing for? <laughs> like, y- you don't need that to fly, obviously. <laughs> that was the only thing that I thought was kind of funny. Them up. <laughs> it was cool. It was definitely a cool moment. But at the end, I don't know if it was some kind of version of Omni Slash or whatever, but the way the battle ends is, you know... Yeah, Sephiroth that's Omni Slash that's Omni-Slash version 5. Okay. As, I only as know that makes Smash. <laughs> mentioned before, uh, Cloud can like break his swords into different pieces. So, so Sephiroth is kind of floating above him. Cloud jumps up, and he's glowing blue again, so it's like he's in Limit Break. He goes up to Sephiroth and he kind of rips his sword into like five or six different pieces and kind of throws them out, scattering them around, a floating midair. And then he he turns blue and almost translucent and then just goes like from point to point. It, it's almost like 15's kind of warp striking, just back and forth. It is a it is the coolest move I've ever seen. And then once he once he finishes and he's defeated Sephiroth, it's just like in the Smash. Uh, in the Smash thing, where Cloud lands and he looks up at Sephiroth and he says, "You know, stay in my memories where you belong." And then Sephiroth says, "I will never be a memory," and kind of fades away. It was cool and sets it up to where they could do even more. Like it, it, Sephiroth is never really gone. No, as long as Cloud exists, Sephiroth will have the will to go on. Yeah, he's got to he's got to stalk him and make yeah. him feel make him feel uncomfortable for the rest of time. <laughs> <laughs> so overall, what what did you think? What, what did you think about this movie? It is easily the best Final Fantasy movie. Like, easily. I thought it was a very good idea to continue the Final Fantasy VII movie, or Final Fantasy VII story. If you've never watched played Final Fantasy VII, don't watch this movie. I think that you there is a chance you might enjoy it, but you should not enjoy it until you've played Final Fantasy well, VII. I think you'll enjoy it, but I don't think you'll understand it. <laughs> Or well, I mean, I don't remember enjoying it. It's the only reason I said that. Okay. But I don't think you should enjoy it because you are going to miss a lot of the enjoyment of this movie not having played the game. You will still get some cool fight scenes that yeah, don't need a lot of context. But play the game, watch the movie, because it's a sequel, not an adaptation. Yeah. I thought they, they had a few issues that I kind of expected it to have. Like what? Confusion. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, stuff mostly that, and little burps in the animation. Nowhere near as bad as the other ones. I, it's a good movie. It's a great movie, actually. Okay, I so give what are you giving this? Solid, like, I give it a seven out of ten. Final okay. Fantasy seven out of ten. <laughs> nice. Well, it, it depends. Do you remember what I gave Spirits Within? Because that's don't. good. I probably gave it a five out of ten. I don't. Like no. exact or four, like exactly in the middle of the road. Well, somewhere between seven and eight, maybe seven point five. Okay, because I, I was it thinking a great movie. I was thinking, I was thinking like an eight. I was thinking right around an eight. I really enjoyed this movie. I, I actually, <laughs> I enjoy all three of the Final Fantasy movies, so I tend to be a little more positive on them. I, I like them all. 
There's not many things you don't like, though. And you know, but it's a good way to live. I'm never really salty about much. <laughs> so. I, yeah, it's just... Uh, I don't know. There's things that don't meet my taste, and this is the first movie that really met them. I need to watch Kingslave again, but... Yeah, well, we will. We'll watch Kingslave. We'll do, we're going to do the, the trio here. I, I like this one a lot. I, I, we had differing opinions on Spirits Within. I also like that one. I might have to agree with you that this is this is likely the best one of the three, though. Um, the like you said, the animation is great. The fight scenes are just it's fun, and it also felt like a Final Fantasy movie. Well, see, okay, I was gonna bring that up that it did it, g- it gave you exactly what you were looking for because the one little girl had a Koopo. Uh, a game mo- a, a Moogle, not a- what? <laughs> <laughs> I call a them Koopos. Yeah, I know they're called Moogles, but I like I like calling them Koopos. And, and there was like a, a Chocobo statue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and it was just Final Fantasy seven. Like, well, that's the thing. Yeah, it was it was just Final Fantasy seven. So I, I I did like the movie overall. I think I give it an eight. I think I'll give it an eight. I really enjoyed everything about it. it like I said, there weren't. I enjoyed the fight scenes, but just because of how different they were from the rest of the movie, it did. It gave me momentary pauses where I was like, how's this? How's this happening? And there were some things, like I said, I felt like it got a little convoluted at some points. Um, and I, I found myself having to back it up and to reread what they just said and try to I actually had to stop and think for a minute. Like, OK, what are they trying to tell me here? Especially when they were kind of going through the geostigma and stuff. But I do think that if you have the context of Final Fantasy seven, the complete game, so not just the remake portion so i think i think you do need to play the original final fantasy yeah this this has nothing to do with the remake i would say yeah i do think yeah i think you need that it does not work for me as a standalone movie i think you'd have an okay time just from just because it's cool but i just don't think that you'd get you just wouldn't get the full experience they even said at the beginning of the movie that this is a movie made for fans yeah. Now like, they do do a decent job giving you a baseline what you need to know because Marlene kind of goes over the general plot of Final Fantasy VII, but there's still so much that you'd miss out on. Like, like I said, the character introductions of the Bahamut scene don't make a lot of sense not, if you don't. It's not so much that you're missing context from Final Fantasy VII. It's just you're missing connection. I think. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, they don't even take time to explain what materia is yeah. before they start using it. So, and I mean, you're like when when everybody shows up to fight Bahamut, that means a lot when you're getting to see Barrett, Red Thirteen, everybody you love. Yeah. But if you've never played Final Fantasy VII, that's just going to be people coming to help instead yeah. of old friends coming to help. Like it's you miss you miss that deep connection with the game. Well, and we we'll have our show title revoked if we don't give a shout out to the high wind making a awesome appearance when Sid comes <laughs> in. So we got to see, got to see the good old high wind in this movie too. So proud of it. Proud of it. But yeah. Only other thing, last thing I want to talk about is the very brief yet. I really liked it post credit scene. So it had a lot of deep meaning to it. It did. It did. So, it flashes back up to the ledge that overlooks Midgar, where traditionally you see the Buster Sword kind of stuck in the ground. And instead, there is a little flower patch that has started to grow. And there's a, there's a young child's voice that says, is this someone's grave? 
And then the older man responds, no, this is where a hero's journey began. Well, I'm pretty sure that's Denzel and Cloud, isn't it? Don't know. Don't uh, No, I don't think it would be. Well, I don't know. It I seems mean, a little like him. I don't know, because I, it, admittedly, it's hard for me to pick out the Japanese voice actors without seeing their faces. I feel like it's a little vain for Cloud to just refer to himself like a hero that way. <laughs> so I, I, took I don't it think as, he's referring to himself because he moved talking about to Aerith. I think he's talking about Aerith because he moved the sword to Aerith's church. I think it's somebody talking about Cloud. Uh, I don't know. It sounds exactly like Cloud. I don't know why they would have just a random voice talking about it at the end instead of having a character from but, the because movie. Because it, it means that Cloud and his story has become legend is what that means to me. That's why someone else would be talking about it. Yeah, but it also implies that someone else moved his sword. And no, it, it also doesn't. implies that Cloud moved the sword and told the story, which is extremely unlikely. No, 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 no. It doesn't imply someone else moved the sword. The way that I took it was, you know, Cloud moves the sword. He moves the sword into the church. And then years later... That that's that spot where it used to be has become like a monument. You know, it, it doesn't tell you how long after the events this is, but it, it doesn't imply to me at all that someone else moved the sword. Just that at this point, whenever that starts to grow, the, the story of Cloud and I guess his compatriots has become a, a legend. And it also implies to me that that is the beginning of the growth that eventually takes over Midgar that you see 498 years in the future with Red 13. So like the start of life coming back to that world. Hmm. It was cool though, whatever it was. I don't it was agree a- with that, but it's interesting. So what do you think then? I think it's Cloud and Denzel talking. I think Cloud's talking the hero's journey is about Aerith and that's why the sword moved to the church. That's basically it. <laughs> that's basically it. Well, the only reason I don't agree with that is Aerith has nothing to do with that spot. Like, her journey didn't start there. Like, her journey had nothing... I mean, if anything, that is... That well, is look cloud at the church, because that might be the place where Aerith died. No, Aerith dies at the well, I know, but city. I know, but it also kind of looks like that in the movie. What the... Like, are you 100% that's where the sword got moved was the church? I'm... Pr- well, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know exactly where it got See, moved. I, I didn't get the vibe, because it... I mean, it's Cloud's voice talking. For sure. Did you did you I, verify no, I, that? I, I'm trying to, but I can't find anything other than people just rambling on forums, not talking about. No, after so, the credits on the cliffside of looking bigger, that's where the flowers and Zach's sword would be. Um, that's in English, and Denzel asks Cloud about the spot, and Cloud says it's where a hero's journey began. So it is in English as well. And okay. this person here says it is Denzel asking Cloud. Okay, well then, Cloud's kind of vain, <laughs> but well, I don't think he's talking about himself. Well, that that is where his journey began, though. I I don't know who else he could be talking about. That is his that is where began on a train, sir. No, no, that is where he took over. Where Zach died. That is where that is. That's where Zach dies. That's where he takes where, over. Yeah, but that's not where you take over. Okay, but Aerith has nothing to do with I'm, that. He's not I'm, talking about Aerith. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so it, so it's Denzel and Cloud. So I guess he is he is talking to him. I guess he's talking about himself then. I, I don't see how he could be talking about Aerith. Well, then why is he moving the sword to Aerith's place again? Well, he's moving the sword. for. Sh- I mean, he moves the sword, but that doesn't mean... <laughs> that, I don't think those two are necessarily related because they're not in the church. Like, the church is where Aerith's journey begins. Like, that's where she is. That's where her life was spent. 
yeah. that's where she's also kind of the hero of the movie, though. Agreed. She saved everybody. They when they're on that cliffside, uh, there's no connection to Aerith on that cliffside. Yeah, that's why when they talk about the hero's journey beginning, they switch the scene over to the church. Well, when he but they're they're up there on the <laughs> they're they're on the the cliff when they say that though it's not like they teleported. It, it shows us the viewers well, it's where not, the story it's not, moves. You're not looking through their per- point of view. It's called visual storytelling. They switch over to the church when the cue of the dialogue changes to where it's important. But but the characters so, where they have that conversation matters. Like where well, how they do you have ever have the conversation on the cliffside because it doesn't actually show them. Because okay, but the context is there when they show they show the patch and then you hear the boy's voice say, "Is this a grave?" Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy knows the church isn't a grave. The response to that question is no. This is where a hero's journey began. Like that is the answer to "Is this a grave?" And, and maybe that, they're maybe they're at the church looking. I all I'm it, saying is it's <laughs> not confirmed. That makes no sense. <laughs> How does that make no sense? Because they're at the church looking at the sword, and he's asking, is this a grave? No, it's where a hero's journey began. Or maybe they're looking at the flowers thinking that, no, this is where a hero's journey began. I don't know. Two reasons, two reasons. A, Denzel knows the church. Like He's been there multiple times. He's at the church when Cloud finds him. He's at the church when he... he, uh, I mean, he well, knows maybe, that's not a great. All right, and all it's right. A so maybe <laughs> so. they are talking about that, but I still think it's. I don't know. Maybe uh, the hero's journey beginning is probably talking about Zach. Now that I think about it, it because, and like you said, this whole movie is Cloud's story. I, I do think it sums up very well. I mean that that is where his story begins. It's where Zach and him, and, and Zach even says to him, "You are my living legacy." So, and that is the scene. I mean, that is where that happens. So that cliffside where the, the Buster Sword was originally placed is where Cloud's journey begins. So I'm pretty sure that's what it's talking about. Even though I agree with you, Aerith kind of is the hero of the story in multiple ways. I, I do think that is about Cloud, even if it's Cloud speaking that says that. I uh, Now, I do have one final question. I truly I don't did not know, get though. this. I, I truly did. don't know about. I, we're not. I don't feel like we're done with this, because <laughs> um, it's uh, there's no definitive answer to it. I we can't no. really just leave it at Cloud's talking about himself because there really is not enough information to. Well, maybe he's talking about heroes in the plural. Maybe he's talking about this is a where a hero like all of them. This is where that journey began. Because that's true yeah, too. Maybe I mean that's true too. I mean that is where. Everything began. Symbol, why even bother showing the Buster Sword move to the church? Like, what's the symbolism of that? Just like that, that he has moved on. That is no longer a monument that he sticks in the ground to where Zach died. It, yeah, but he just moves on to put it where Aerith dies, who he feels more of a burden for. No, <laughs> he, he moves he it. Like he, he let her die. He does make a monument, and it, it implies at the end of this movie that he is letting that go. He he is finally letting himself move on. And he moves the Buster Sword, and the the symbolism there is it was it was barren ground with a sword stuck into it, and where that's now gone is life, life coming back to this to this place where life was void before. And and he has made a monument. He's hung up his I think he's hung up his Buster Sword in the church as you know as a reminder as a tribute, and also I think he's bringing them back together because that was Zach's sword. And he's placed it in Aerith's church. I think he's bringing them together in one place. 
That's why I think he moved the Buster Sword. Uh, I can see how you think that. So what do you think? <laughs> you think what, do, what do you I think? I don't then? think anything anymore. <laughs> I don't okay. know. So I got one more question. To me. It doesn't make sense to me if he wants to move on. Like he put the sword in Zach's grave-ish place. Not grave, but you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, yeah. Because he felt a burden with Zach. Is that what I'm led to believe? No, I mean, that's not what I was saying. He felt a burden about Aerith. Yeah, but why was the sword where Zack was? Because he couldn't move on? from. You know, I don't know why he placed the sword back at yeah, the end. Because if, if it's because he can't move on, then him moving the sword to where Aerith's church is takes away from the whole idea of him moving on past the guilt for Aerith. No, no, you... I mean, people move on from death but still visit gravesides. I mean, you know what I mean? Like... What I'm yeah, thinking that's not is, what I'm saying, though. I'm saying if the symbolism of the church being where Zach's journey began was burden for Zach, doing the exact same thing for Aerith takes away from the... I'm not saying that happened, because I don't even know if the sword symbolizes that. But if it does, it takes away from that, because he moved on from the guilt for Aerith just to show symbolism that he didn't. No, that's not what I was saying. I know that's not what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't honestly don't even know what you're saying because none of it, hardly any of this makes sense to me. It's it's a nice (laughs) symbol, symbolic secret ending. Well, here's 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 what you need to get from the secret ending. Life is coming back to Midgar. And they have made what looks to be a shared monument to Aerith and Zach at the church, presumably at the church. I have one more question. We are running a little long. Did you know what the symbolism was with the wolf? Not at all. Okay, I, I didn't get I did that. Did not either. understand the wolf at all. Yeah, I did, I don't know. I don't know if I missed something. If it's something from the compilation, because I've only really played seven and the remake. I haven't played a lot of Crisis Core. I, I don't know what was going on there, and they didn't explain that at all. So, but he does wear a wolf. I, I don't know. That that kind of went over. Oh, my head. that brings me up to my most unpopular opinion of this movie, which will be very quick. Okay, what is it? I don't like Cloud's clothes in this movie. <laughs> <sighs> I do. <laughs> Those I are the ones like you get them. on 14, aren't they? Yeah, and I've never liked... I think that outfit looks bad on 14, but oh, wow. I just... I've never liked... I always pick in Smash. I always pick the original 7 design instead of that. I like it a lot better. I mean, that's personal taste. It's pretty unpopular. People love that. <laughs> I do. I like it. I like the... I do like that, too. Cool. Well, that is another movie review down. I think we spent more time talking about that post credit scene than anything else, but... That's going to leave a lot to be answered. We are still, uh, for the most part, in agreement on this. Solid movie. I think a good addition to the Final Fantasy VII story. And some awesome, even if there are little nonsensical fight scenes. So with that, I think we'll bring this episode to a close. But before we go, I know you wanted to say a couple quick things about your stream coming up in February. So watching this movie has made me completely rework the entire way that month was going to happen. Originally, I was going to play Final Fantasy 2 and then Final Fantasy 8. Well, this I'm going to do this every year, so I don't need to worry about not playing certain games. I think that I'm going to start the month with Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Yes, I was hoping you would do then that. then the original Final Fantasy 7. Ooh, okay. Yeah, and uh, wrinkled here and there is going to be some 11 and 14 streams as well. As as well as one stream, I think I'm going to do a Final Fantasy 3 discussion. But as far as games I'm going to be playing in the main series that aren't MMOs, I'm going to start with 7 Remake and then play 7. 
Okay, well, then announcement here in late February and March, we will finally be talking about the seven remake. <laughs> so, good yeah, to know. Um, playing this, watching this movie made me realize how much I love the world of Final Fantasy seven. And yeah, I really want to, it made me want to replay the remake. I want to go ahead and beat the remake because I remember more. I remember. Well, obviously, I quit playing it, so I was overall underwhelmed with it. But I feel like I owe it another chance because I know it's a great game. I did have my problems with it and I let those problems run away with it. So I'm going to try it again and see because it's like the presentation of the game was making up for my problems with it, but I just kind of quit playing it because I had problems with it. I mean, that's why you quit playing games. If you're bored, that's a problem. So I'm going to try it again. Try it again though. Well, I don't really like linear games. You know that. So, so good, yeah, I'm going to have to give it another shot. All right. Well, speaking of that stream, though, where can they find you? Just follow me on Twitch, Starcaller Soloist, please. And Twitter at Soloist underscore TV and YouTube at Soloist. And I think that's everything that's important. Cool. So you can follow me at Wolfkins personally or at Highwind Herald, uh, both on Twitter, of course. And again, we are going to keep doing these every week. And But on the 5th, we are going to try to do a little bit of a live stream, kind of go through some of the announcements that come out for Final Fantasy XIV. The week after, we will be having our first interview. Um, and then we're also probably going to do an episode where we uh, where we talk about what happened on the um, the live stream. So we got, we got a bunch of good stuff planned for February. Thanks for listening. I, we really appreciate it podcast is having a pretty good week by the way and uh you know again if if you got the time leave us a rating or review on itunes or wherever you're listening to it, it really helps kind of boost the show up and everything but apart from that we really appreciate you listening and do you have anything else man not at all that's it all right well that's it for us another great discussion with you nice hanging out with you a little bit here and i'll see you next week peace out <laughs>